Okay, so Preston, we are back to talk about episode 6 of the Watchmen television series, This Extraordinary Being. And I gotta say, when we last left off on the previous mm. podcast, I was I was some, somewhat convinced based on the previews that this was gonna be kind of a boring, artsy type of episode <laughs> to fill backstory. And I was not, thoroughly surprised and wrong. Not that it wasn't wrong. an artsy type of episode. I mean, it, it, was. It, was, it was as artsy as, as the season has gotten, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it was actually artsy in a very cool and interesting way. And I was actually thoroughly surprised by how much I did like the episode. I still think episode five was was like probably the best episode so far. Yeah. But this one also up there. I think this one is one of the uh, the better episodes of the season so far as well. And it's the most Once political. Again, I mean, it's the most like. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it was there's um there's a lot going on in this episode, a lot to talk about. Oh God, yeah. I even I even wrote down a couple of things for you on Facebook, which I'll uh, go into. But let me do the synopsis um, so we can get into this. So uh, Angela took all the the nostalgia pills, and Lori Blake is trying to get Angela Angela to agree to uh, to treatment before the nostalgia kicks in, but it's too late, and she starts experiencing Will's memories as a police officer in New York City in 1938. Mm. Now. The interesting thing here is that if you notice as the episode starts, Angela is the only person in actual color and then starts to fade into the whole black and white motif of the episode because she's trying to like, you know, she she's fully melding into Will's memories, which I like that they, I kind of, at, at first I was kind of annoyed that everything was in black and white, but at the same time it does grow on you after a they while. They lampshaded it all with, um, when they talked about Schindler's, Schindler's List last episode, or I mean, they, mm. they called it Pale Horse or whatever, the, the Steven Spielberg movie in their in their universe, but they, they lampshaded it in, in that, you know, Schindler's List is all in black and white, except for this one scene with a, with a girl in red. And, and he talks about Pale Horse the same way. Um, and so they kind of lampshade it because they, they then the next episode do the same thing, black and white with a few color elements mm-hmm. here and there. Um, the color elements usually have to do with the, uh, the, the, the massacre in Tulsa. Um, and, and they kind of like bleed in different places in the background. Um, Will's memories are... Will's memories are all are jumbled, um, and hanging over all of them is is the Tulsa massacre. But at the same time, I do wonder if he's his memories are biased. You know, I wonder if it's from his mm. perspective, like our our um, like our chapters in Game of Thrones in, in Ice and Fire, where there's a little bias to it. Uh, I, there's just one thing later on where where I wonder about it, but um, we'll see. Actually. Yeah, I know what you're. Th- I know what you're talking. You're talking about the part where like he catches his son, yes. uh, putting on the thing, and then like his wife acts like you've something's happened to you. So this is. But we haven't you, seen anything he a- really. Like like, right. haven't seen him go too far. Like y- you know, like I mean, all he's really doing is killing like KKK members, which I don't. I don't really think he can go right. too and far. He's, with and killing, he's not like, telling her. Guys. It's not like he's coming home and saying, "Hey, I slaughtered. Right. I slaughtered all these KKK people." Like, what does she know about it? You know. Like, she mm-hmm. just reads in the newspaper, you know, body here, body there. But And it's interesting that you say, like, maybe his perspective of the whole nostalgia pills is biased because it reminds me of that one chapter in Game of Thrones 
Um, I believe it's Clash of Kings where the Hound supposedly comes into Sansa's room and kisses her. Yeah. But then doesn't like George R. R. Martin later say like Sansa's not the most reliable narrator? Right. So so in the first Sansa character, Sansa chapter when she's with the Hound, they do not kiss. But then when she reminisces on it, they kiss. There, there, there's mm. there's a few examples of this. Um, when uh, Ario Hota is is observing a banquet, he actually says that um, uh, that Balon Swan didn't touch a spicy stew. But then later on, he says, "Oh, he's sweating because he ate the spicy stew." Or no, no, no. I'm sorry. He sees Balon Swan eat the spicy stew. But then later on, he sees Balon Swan sweat. And he thinks that he's sweating because he's nervous. And he's like, but he didn't touch the spicy stew, so he must be sweating because he's nervous. But earlier in the chapter, he did actually eat the spicy stew. So it's really weird um, you know, how George R. R. Martin does it. It's, it's, um, it's clever. Uh, and, and it makes a lot of, a lot of uh, readers crazy because they, they, don't, they don't know what to believe. Right. And uh, apparently Will joined the police department because... Um, supposedly, uh, Samuel Battle, who was the first black police officer in New York City, mm. actually based on a real guy. Samuel, Samuel J. Battle is actually a real, real person who was literally the first black police officer in New York City. And, um, but there is a lot of whole, there's a whole thing here with, with Will being like obsessed with the law. Like, like, yeah. like, like the, the movie he watches in the first episode when he's a kid. Um, I forgot the guy's name, but the, the, it's the, it's, the Marshall, yeah, the black Marshall. something Reeve. Because it, it has mm-hmm. he, it's the same name that he takes on, and you know right. it's supposed to be you know the the Superman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll, I'll, I, I wrote down a bunch. I just spammed you like a bunch of yeah, things yeah, I noticed, yeah. but we'll get into that. So uh, let me go back to this real quick. Um, just the uh, thing here, and while walking, um, so basically when he gets there, uh, the guy who. He kind of looked up to the first black police officer, Samuel Battle, tells him essentially, beware the Cyclops. And eventually when he arrests a guy for trying to burn down a Jewish thing, um, he takes the guy in. Jewish, and some de- of the Jewish cy- delicatessen, yes. <laughs> yeah, he takes the guy in and the Cyclops men uh, essentially take the guy away and let him go later on. And those same police officers try to hang him. And basically let him off with a warning. And this is where the hood and noose come in. Now, originally, my thought behind this was that Will was the hooded justice. But because nobody knew who was under the mask, they just automatically thought he was a white guy. Yeah. Now, now I will say, in the original um, in the original Watchmen comic, and this is a little bit of a retconning. They're, they're, they're pushing the, I have to say, the creators here are pushing the limits of of retconning uh, with with making Hooded, Hooded Justice who he is. Uh, in the original comic, um, Hooded Justice is, is you see his skin being white and they explain that, but they, they heavily imply that Hooded Justice is this German wrestler um, mm-hmm. who is also a, a white supremacist. And in, a, in an interview, Alan Moore um, confirms and says, yeah, no, Hooded Justice used to be in the KKK. And that's why he has his, his, um, his outfit. Uh, so the creators of Watchmen have flipped it completely. Um, hmm. Yeah, because so in the original Watchmen comic, the, 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 the Minutemen are not great. <laughs> they're, not, they're, they're, um, they're a racist team. Uh, and um, 
certainly Captain Metropolis is, is, is racist and, and they're worried about things like, you know, black unrest and things like that. If you, you have to examine the background of things. Um, so the, it's, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a retcon to, to do this, to uh, change Hooded Justice. Hooded Justice, like the whole point of the, the, the superheroes is that they're all kind of, you know, vigilante fascists, um, right wing kind of thing. And, um, Hooded Justice was, you know, was originally a, a KKK member, but now they flipped it and said that the guy that's inspired it all is a victim of the KKK. I like that flip. I like that that twist on it. That's actually a pretty interesting and pretty pretty nice twist. I actually don't mind it. I'm sure a lot of people are going to bitch about them making it way too political. But no, I I completely actually like that twist. That's actually not a not a bad twist. M Night Shyamalan would be very proud of this. This is <laughs> this is a very cool twist. Um but no, so after he's walking home from almost being, you know, hung by his fellow police officers, he spots a woman and I guess her husband being mugged and he jumps to the rescue and, you know, dons the hood and, you know, beats him up and it makes the news. Uh, and eventually he's invited by Captain Metropolis, mm. um, I forgot the guy's name, something Gardner, um, to join the Minuteman. Now, originally I thought the Minutemen were like actually like, like the Watchmen, like they were legit heroes, but apparently not really. And it's also confirmed that what we saw in American Hero Justice Story last week, where Captain Metropolis and um, uh, Hooded Justice yeah. were having gay sex, that's an actual thing. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know how they knew that, but that's an actual thing. So, I mean, it's interesting It's interesting which things they decided to push the limits on retconning and which things they didn't. So, mm. so there's all this, when you read uh, Watchmen, each, each issue has this kind of supplemental material at the end. And if you if you comb through the supplemental material, you can kind of learn about some of the background, the Minutemen, things like that. Um, not much in the actual story is on them. Now there is a flashback in which the comedian is about to rape um, Laurie's mom, Silk Spectre One, and Hooded Justice comes in and, and beats the hell out of the comedian. And the comedian is the one that kind of hints on the, at the fact that you know he's into weird sex stuff and. And that's where you know a lot of these rumors come from about him being gay with um, with Captain Metropolis, and so it's like it they kind of treated it as as stuff out of people's mouths in, in the original Watchmen comic. They they've they've kept as canon, while the supplemental material they they kind of said, well, you know, history is unreliable. These written newspaper stories don't really know the real story. Like, what can we get away with? Um, and it, I mean, he's also making a statement that that American history uh, it has been whitewashed and changed, and a lot of like you know very important events of the past you know have been forgotten for a long time, including the Tulsa massacre. And so mm -hmm. you know, so it, it's clever what they're doing. It's 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 pushing. It's pushing. I mean, nerds get really big into the canon, you know, and so it's weird that they've. They're strong enough to, they've been bold enough to, to actually mess with the canon a little um, on who Hooded Justice was and, and, and the Minutemen and stuff like that. But under the guise of, well, you know, you, you learn this one history one day, but the, the real truth is something else. And there's mm -hmm. another side to it. So. 
So interesting, oh, by the way, his name is Nelson Gardner, Captain Metropolis. Interesting enough, someone told me that, according to the HBO's Pedipedia, hmm. um, Nelson Gardner apparently left his entire estate to Will when he died, so Will is actually a millionaire. Yeah. Yeah, which, which explain well, yeah, I mean, I guess we didn't need him to be a millionaire, considering Lady True is also a millionaire, but, but uh, now that they have the ability... I, I figure she'd be a billionaire. Yeah, yeah, billionaire. I mean, <laughs> now that they have all this massive technology, now, you know, they have mind control. Mm -hmm. Who knows what, what, what can be going on? Yeah. So Will is invited to join the Minutemen by Captain Metropolis and then begins an affair with him. But apparently, Will finds out that the Cyclops gang is to try and hypnotize black people at movie theaters to incite riots amongst themselves across the country. And the Minutemen won't help. Right. And I messaged you this, and I was watching the yeah. episode. I'm like, so... Captain Metropolis thinks that Moloch has a solar ray, but the whole, but the whole mind control thing is ridiculous to him. And then I realized, and then I realized, oh, these guys are just fraud assholes. They're not even real vigilantes. They're just in it for like the fame and money. Because at one point, you see uh, another superhero, Dollar Bill, I believe it is, yeah. with the like the 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 sign of like the bank and like like these guys are just fraud assholes. They're not even like real heroes. Uh, there, there's a bit of it, certainly with um, certainly with Dollar Bill. Like Dollar Bill is not really a real, a real one. But um, mm -hmm. the the solar mirror weapon, uh, I'm trying to remember about about that. I think they just mention it in, in passing. We don't really know um, what it's really what it's really about. I think in there. So it's mentioned briefly in the original Watchmen comic, and I think they—I think in the before Watchmen comic, you know, that they that they made later, they went into more detail on it, on the Minutemen and stuff like that. But you know, we don't really know anything about this this solar mirror weapon, if it if it if it was a real thing or if it was just kind of made up or who knows. Well, well, in the show, it, they're making it sound like it's yeah, yeah, they're making it sound like it's 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 bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the I think in the before Watchmen comic, it's a real thing. But I, I, it's just kind of mentioned in passing in the original Watchmen comic, and so they're making it into like a whole bunch of bullshit, a whole bunch like commercial bullshit to sell the bank advertisements or whatever. <laughs> and the whole Cyclops symbol that he's chasing throughout the entire episode. That Cyclops symbol was smeared on the walls of the Seven Calvary headquarters in Episode 5. And apparently, according to also the PDPedia, this is what someone told me, uh, Senator Joe Keane's father yeah. was uh, a part of this whole Cyclops thing. So apparently yeah. the Cyclops organization, or I don't know if this is an, a Cyclops organization or that they're just using it as the symbol for their organization, because it's essentially the clan. Right, um, and, and Cyclops, the Cyclops, Cyclops imagery is is from the clan. Like in the real in the real world, uh, the Klu Klux, the Klu Klux Klan had Cyclops imagery um, with it. So it, they, they're they're coming from a real place there. So, but mm. um, yeah, before it was like grand, you know, like you know how there's like grand wizards and grand dragons. There's like a grand Cyclops. Things like that in, in, in uh, the KKK. I know, you know. It's always silly. It's, it's always, it's, I'm sorry. I always find that silly and funny. I just. I know. It's like, whatever. It's it's sad that they were the first Dungeons Dungeons and Dragons players. You know, <laughs> it's a bad it's a bad legacy for D and D, but uh, the, uh, but uh, 
Yeah, no, the, um, and I don't want to jump to the end already. Do you, do you want to get to the end? Because the, the end is is Well, let me just finish out yeah. the synopsis here from uh, Wikipedia. Essentially, um, you know, he destroys the uh, Cyclops operation in New York City. And according to this, um, he becomes disillusioned with his role, leaving his family. I thought his family left him, but maybe the person who wrote this doesn't know what's going on. And when we get back to the present, I was was right the entire time because if you recall, when we did the first episode of this podcast, I was like, there's no way that old man hung him. And I was right, but I was wrong because Will didn't hang him. Will somehow reverse-engineered their whole mind control thing and had Judd hang himself. Yes, yes. Um, which who know, which is probably what now the big Mrs. True Ray is, right? They're gonna they're gonna mind control people to do something. Right. So before we get into that, let me just make because this episode really made a lot of comparisons of Will being like Superman. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. Like uh, Will Reeves is his name. Christopher Reeve who is the actor who played Superman. Well, there, um, there was a George Reeves who was in the original um, Superman. Oh. Super, yeah, George Reeves was the original Superman in the, in the original like, TV show. He ended up uh, killing himself. Um, but yeah. Oh, so wow, he, I didn't know he that. actually has the, the last name Reeves. Well, it's Christopher Reeve with a, with, mm-hmm. without the S. But um, I, I'm, sure there's, I'm sure they're referencing both when they, when they, when they name them. Right. Both. But yeah. Um, and Will, Will and Clark Kent are also very similar in the sense that they both both grew up in the Midwest. Will being from Oklahoma, and Superman Clark Kent being from Kansas, and then they both eventually move out east to a bustling city. Um, Superman's love interest Lois Lane is a reporter, and so is Will's wife. Um, at one point, Will in the episode is in a phone booth and goes into doing his hero work, just like Superman does. Um, and they even have the Superman comic in the episode, Action Comics number one. Yes. And in the same comic, I never read Action Comics number one, but in the same comic, apparently Superman helps a woman in distress, just like Will does in this episode. Yeah, it's, I mean, Will's, Will helping the person in the alley is just, it's the most, it's the biggest trope of, of superheroes, right? That, mm-hmm. you know, the mugger, the mugger getting somebody in an alley and then the, the masked hero, like, helping them. It's like, you know, how many of us go down alleys and get mugged and, and have somebody right. jump out? But apparently it's just the thing to do. Batman's parents mm-hmm. were, were, were attacked in the alley, you know. It, all in the Spider-Man movie, it's a million times, you know. They, but, what? yeah, he does that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, um, I, the one thing you pointed out that I really like is how, like, throughout the entire episode, as, as he's just, like, you know, walking down the street or doing whatever – the riots from Tulsa is like in the background yeah. and it's it's showing that it's always in the back of his mind. Like it's always there for him. There was one scene there where I was really confused about where um, I remember this police car drives up and they tell him, they, they ask uh, if they, if Will wants to get a ride home with them or they're like, Oh, we're going to the bar. And he's like, Nope, don't feel like it. And they're like, okay. And then they drive ahead and there's these bodies being dragged by the car. And mm. I was like, I was like, oh, that's shocking. But it's, I think the bodies are from the Tulsa massacre and he's, he's hallucinating that aspect to the car. I didn't mm-hmm. think it, I don't think, even though they're clearly threatening him, I don't think at that moment they were dragging two dead bodies behind them. Because um, I think those bodies are in color as well. So it, 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 the memories are all jumbled around, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So you want to talk about the ending. Let's talk about the ending. Oh, the ending. I mean, so oh, Will has made up his mind about Don Johnson, right? Um, like he, and I mean, clearly about, about Judd and has him commit suicide. And then Judd, had he, had he spoken more, like Judd, considering he's about to get executed, he didn't, he didn't speak very well for himself by, being, by saying like, oh, I can, I'm trying to help you people and this is my heritage and all that. Like he, he, he probably could have uh, spoken better to, to save himself, but he didn't speak enough to really sink himself completely. Like, I feel like there's more to Judd that, you know, Will didn't hear enough. Like, here, mm-hmm. Will was too dismissive and killed Judd before he was, he was there to fully explain, you know, right? It's that stupid TV trope where two characters have a problem and one character walks out and the other character, instead of going after them, they go, wait, no, wait, ugh. Yeah. And essentially this is like yeah, because he goes, I'm trying to help you people. So, what does that mean? Like are you are you not really a part of them, but just because your father was a part of the clan, does that mean that you're not a part of the clan or are you somehow trying to stop uh Joe Keen? Like what are you really doing? And I'm also right. kind of like Is he trying to stop him from the inside? I mean, according to Senator yeah. Joe Keen, he was trying to make sure that none of this ever happened again. So what are they trying to do? I mean, just, are they, I mean, was Judd trying to dismantle the clan from the inside? Um, and thus being part of the clan, you know, uh, or, or maybe keep their like damage to a, as much as minimum as possible. Yeah. Maybe I, Certainly, Will was a little too dismissive, or maybe we're just feeling, you know, too much sympathy for, for, um, you know, a, a, a racist. Who knows? But, um, you know, the, Don Johnson, he's pretty likable. He's Angela's friend. You, you, it's so hard to believe that he was this evil guy, and then, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, he's, you know, we find out he's this, you know, secret clan member, member of perhaps the Seventh Cavalry. Um, you know, part of the Cyclops conspiracy. Uh, should he just be killed like that, or is there, there is there some other some other story? I feel well, you know. I feel like there has to be more. I, I'm I'm almost a little disappointed that our main villains, or so it seems, are just KKK members. It, it, it's almost like the tired trope of like Nazi zombies at this point. Like, eh. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, I was kind of expecting more of an insidious conspiracy. And mind control is very insidious. But at the same time, like, I was expecting, like, a secret underground group of, like, like villains. Instead of it just being, like, white people who hate black people. I don't know. It just seems kind of, maybe that's not really what it is. Because every time you and I have a theory, we're either kind of right or right. we're just not right at all. I mean, it was Joe Keen being evil just was a little too obvious. Judd being evil was a little too obvious. Mm. And so I'd, we, still haven't, we still haven't heard their full plan. Like, what are they really trying to do with, the, with their little 7th Cavalry racist organization? Um, are they really trying to turn it around and, and, and do something good? What is that exactly? We kind of know that Will has gone too far. Um, he's lived an incredibly horrible life he's been through a lot and you can tell that he's that he's 
you know, gone to this extreme. If he's talking about building a freaking mind control ray with Lady True, um, that's what that's what I think the Millennium Clock might be. Because yeah. here's the thing, though, he has. I, I have no idea how the fuck the clan. Because I, when I think of the, the KKK, I think of like you know dumb yokels. Yeah. But how the hell do they have like a mind control device? And okay, Will has his hands on it. Then how come nobody else has been ever been able to replicate this technology? Because you think that that this would be used fairly often against well, people's enemies. Yeah, I mean, he, obviously it's a metaphor, um, but because because you know back when back in the movies, the the, the early movies, there was. Um, anti-black uh, sentiment in movies. I mean, Birth of a Nation caused caused a huge rise in the number of people that were in the Ku Klux Klan. Um, you know, movies did not portray blacks very well. And so, you know, metaphorically, yes, it was like the movies were weaponized to, to destroy black people, you know, giving them no, uh, no good role models and all of that. Or that, that's the statement being made. Um, and so, you know, Lady True's huge clock, which now has perhaps a global, maybe, you know, maybe has a huge global uh, reach. I mean, movies now have global reach. So in a sense, like these, these movie theaters, they, they have, you know, the message that, that Lindelof is saying here is that, you know, there's a huge responsibility with our pop culture. Our pop culture, like, you know, can, can weaponize uh, feelings you know and and things like that um i mean jesus christ like i i'm sure we have australian listeners but imagine like the fucking movie like crocodile dundee came out you know close to 35 years ago they're still dealing with that movie and like what it (laughs) like and what it like did to the whole world's perception of australia like they're still dealing with it like, you know, like one, one stupid movie from the 80s. And now everybody thinks that like everyone in Australia, you know, is, is wrestling crocodiles and, and killing them with knives and, and living in the outback. So, I mean, movie, movies can be really powerful, which is, what, which is the statement being made. But yeah. Um, but Lady True is clearly not... Uh, a, a protagonist either. So when Angela woke up, Lady True was re- was reading Ayn Rand, and like, Ayn, like so. Alan Moore, when he wrote uh, Watchmen, like really, really hated Ayn Rand and Ayn Rand thinking. Like he thought that was the worst. Um, that that you know this that people should be focused on their individual self. Uh, uh, welfare and everything else, you know, um, is not important. But that it's, Ayn Rand actually believed that caring about society and, and social programs and things like that were harmful because she, she thought it, you know, bred laziness in people. Um, and, and yeah, she had a whole bunch of other beliefs, you know, she was an atheist and things like this, but um, which doesn't meld with a lot of uh, Ayn Rand lovers today or people that claim they're into Ayn Rand. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> so Rorschach, when, like, he's designed, he thinks that Rorschach would be like an Ayn Rand follower, that everything's about individualism. And so it's, it's strange that, like, the, the Rorschach followers, um, we don't really know what they, I mean, yes, they're racist, like Rorschach was, but, 
but we don't know what they believe on like a social level. Like, do they believe in individualism? You know, do they believe in, in society and, and people helping each other out? Um, clearly Lady True, if she's reading The Fountainhead, uh, she, she doesn't believe in society either. So she's, you know, it's, that right there is a signal that she's a villain, or at least against Alan Moore's thinking. Um, and and watch, having seen enough stuff from Lindelof, I don't think he would be an Ayn Rand follower as well. So, um, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some Ayn Rand lovers out there listening to us, but, um, yeah, the, the Watchmen comic was was definitely uh, against her, her, her teaching, and I think so is, so is Lindelof. I'm actually very curious to, to find out what Alan Moore thinks. Is Alan Moore alive? He is. I'm actually curious to find out what he thinks about like HBO's Watchmen, because this really does take liberties with the characters he's created and uh, kind of flips them around a little bit, especially with the Hood of Justice being a gay yeah. black man. I don't even know if he's gay. He might be just bisexual. Because, you know, he did have, he does have a wife. Um, but um, now, like, I'm actually so, very curious to find out what he, what his true thoughts on this are. So he, I mean, it is kind of, I, I, I saw some interviews with him about, that, that took place around the time of the Watchmen movie. Um, the Watchmen movie had come out. And they said, do you ever plan on watching that movie? And he's like, no, fuck no. And they're like, why? And, and why not? You know, isn't aren't other people allowed to like do stuff with your, with your work? I mean, you do stuff with other people's work. You have the the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and he's like he's like, yeah, you make a point, you make a good point, but it's still it's still my property. You know, it's still my my creations. And so mm -hmm. I personally, I understand that like logically speaking, objectively, I have nothing to complain about, but subjectively. It's still my it's still my stuff, and I'm gonna subjectively be angry about it. He hates DC Comics. He hates anything, any money making attempt um, at his, you know, to uh, to take advantage of his of his creations. Even though he got money selling them, so he's kind of a hypocrite. But uh, <laughs> but I know he never plans on seeing it. And he said that his friends had seen the Watchmen movie and told him he wouldn't like it. So don't watch it. And so whether he would, he would ever like watch this would, would all depend on if his friends told him, yeah, no, you should watch it. I don't think he ever will, but. That's a shame too, because it's really not bad, but at the same time, you kind of have to, I don't know. We discussed briefly, we discussed the, um, HBO's plans for the Game of Thrones prequel Blood Moon and how supposedly it was all, it was going to be all about like white people versus black people mm. and how black people were the original inhabitants of Westeros and some magical curse turns them into the children of the forest. I would also be curious to think what George R. R. Martin would think about that because they're essentially retconning his story in a sense, but at the same time, I don't does George Martin even consider Game of Thrones like an actual adaptation of his stuff or just another universe? Kind of like how Marvel does with their Spider-Man stuff where in yeah. one universe Peter uh, Spider-Man is Peter Parker, in another universe it's Miles Morales, in another universe it's Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Maybe Alan Moore can just see this as not the prime universe but another alternate one. So George R. R. Martin is much more polite and he's he plays ball a lot better than Alan Moore. I mean, Alan Moore is a kind of just fuck your, fuck you all. I, you know, 
I'm gonna do my own thing. The system sucks, you all suck. Young people suck, old people suck, everybody sucks. Like George R. R. Martin, he's got his anger at, at, at certain groups, but he, I've never heard him talk trash about HBO. I've never heard him talk trash about D&D. You know, like he always but, plays but but ball. his but his whole thing with with George is like the whole thing is subtle. For example, I recall we haven't gotten to that chapter yet in uh, I, uh, Fire and Blood, hmm. but I recall there's a chapter where I believe Alisane rides one of her yeah. dragons to the wall, and it, and how how many how long it actually takes her to get from <laughs> I believe Winterfell to the wall. So I guess that's a subtle dig at what happened in season seven, how Danny's able to like fly from Dragonstone to the wall in like a matter of days when it took Alisane a little longer. Yeah, I mean you're you are right that there are a few of those little things in there that uh, you know, like him saying that the faceless men would never be this clumsy. Like they wouldn't they wouldn't just create a huge scene. And you're like, come mm-hmm. on, he has to be making a joke about about the show when it, when it, when he says that. Um, maybe. I don't so you're know. right. Maybe he is more polite, but at least he's more subtle about it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I would just like to just I would love to get Alan Moore's like whole like thoughts on this whole thing because oh, it yeah. is I it think, is interesting. I think like from what we've seen, I think he would find it interesting, but at the same time, like I, I, he's angry and bitter enough that he would find a reason to hate it. Mm. You know, I think he would find he would find a he would find some reason to not like it. Um yeah. It's funny though cuz I've I've read interviews with Lindelof and he's like He's like, you know, Alan Moore is like my deadbeat dad. Like, this is how he's going <laughs> to Like, I know, I know he hates me. I know he hates what I'm doing. But I love him, and I'm just, like, trying to get his affection. But I know I'm just going to fail. <laughs> like, and it's like, it's like, wow. But this episode, I think I gave episode five a, what, a nine? I would give this one an eight an 8, 8.5 maybe, because it really was actually fairly good. It was actually very good, actually. I did like it a lot. Not as much as the last episode, but I, I one of my major complaints of this episode, not enough Ozymandias. He did not appear at all in this episode, which is fine, I think, of course. I think the reason, I mean, I thought it was a great episode. I think it, mm. it, it um, I don't think it hit the same level as last episode because the the whole noir black and white like uh, setting that his flashbacks were in i i think they created it, it made it a little more cartoony like it, it he didn't feel quite real like uh like looking glass did mm-hmm. like looking glass you feel like you could you could run into that guy on the street and you mm-hmm. can understand him, you know, like, ah, oh, he's just this divorced guy who's paranoid, he's going through some shit. Like, you feel, you feel like you could understand him. Um, he felt a little more, he felt a little more real. And this was just a little, it was, it was surreal, you know. There was, there was, it was magical realism going on with these memories, and it, it, it didn't make it quite as emotional as the Looking Glass episode. But it was still really yeah. good. It was still really great. I agree with you on the whole emotional thing. And I do like how this, even though this is Will's story, they sprinkle it not, it's very, not as often as, as I expected, but just enough to make you, just to remind you that this is Angela experiencing this. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And she wasn't in it like a whole bunch, but but this was Will's story. Every once you see, every once in a while you see her in the mirror. That mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And once again, Will probably because because I think they they went into uh, somewhat of detail about how they take they do the memory thing. They put a chip in your brain or a chip in your head, mm. and then they extract the memories and put them into pill form. So you're probably right. Will's memories are a little biased because when his wife really gets pissed off at him and threatens to take the kids away, uh, the kid away, like he didn't do anything. All he did was kill KKK members and that was it. Yeah. So he probably did something that he is most likely shutting away that we're not aware of. Yeah, and I wonder, because... You know, can nostalgia like they're supposed to choose your best memories, you know, so so there there's perhaps he can pick and choose which memories he wanted to give to Angela. Mm-hmm. Like she's not getting everything right. She's not getting his like, I don't know, not getting when he's like masturbating when he's 15. <laughs> right. Like she's getting like the important things. Right. <laughs> I love you, Preston. I'll always, always go into the gross, dirty things, of course. No, but I mean, God, imagine if somebody else like got to relive your life and like got all of your memories. You'd be I'm like, good. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> like, all right. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and this also explains like what, what was happening with Lady True's either daughter or clone. Because remember, I believe in the episode, I think it was episode four, uh, the daughter gets up and tells the mother what she what she was experiencing, and you know. Oh God! And I, it just occurred to me, like, Lady True, if she's really such a freaking individualist, like an Ayn Rand extremist, maybe she's taken individualism so far that she doesn't even want to have children. She just wants to have a clone of herself mm. to per, to replicate herself because herself is the only thing that matters. This is probably the second lady true. I think I think that's what she said last yeah. time, uh, and and that's all she's doing is replicating herself over and over and over again. And, and because she's and so self obsessed, yeah, yeah. And, and training the next generation of lady true to continue on some type of work. Oh God, oh, mm. uh. so yeah. There's a theory that um, Will, th- with his mind control, convinced Osmandius to sell his company to Lady True, and that's why she has it. But, but how come these yokels were able to mi- build, build a mind control device and Osmandius and all these other people who are incredibly like smart and, and, and you know have so much wealth never really thought to, to do it or, 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 or like how do they get the technology? Like where does it really come from? Yeah, I don't know. And, and I mean, I feel like she I feel like Osmandius like would have tried to stop Lady True if he were still around. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why he's imprisoned or out of the picture. Or on one of the moons of Jupiter. On one of the moons of Jupiter. <laughs> like, that kind of says something about a, a person's power, that they're so powerful or so smart that you don't want to kill them because you could need them in the future, but you need them out of the way, so much so out of the way that you have to imprison them in outer space as far away <laughs> as you possibly can on one of the moons of Jupiter. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. We'll see. Oh, did you also like? I, I, it, it did. Um, it didn't occur me. Occur to me until we finished with our last podcast. But, but, um, the uh, when when Osmandius is on that moon of Jupiter, he says, "Save me, D." But like the instant assumption is Doctor Manhattan. But but the owl's name is also Daniel. Um, 
So it might be that he's he's saying save me to the owl, but you know, the owl isn't the owl in prison? May, yeah, according to the according to the uh, PDPedia, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Preston, what would you give this on a scale from one to ten? You, you go by numerical average. I go by grading. Uh, well, I would give it a, an eight. What Very I, good. Yeah, I think I'd give it an eight as well. It's really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I really. Really liked it. It was a good episode. I mean, Not as good as episode five. I was on. But, uh, I was on the edge of my seat the entire time. I was, you know, watching the whole thing. Like, it, 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 like every moment, I'm very, very engaged. Um, mm-hmm. Which. You know, I'm watching a few other shows, and it's just not this. It's not at the same level where I'm like, oh man, Watchmen's coming out. Like, what's gonna happen next? You know? Yeah, I, I immediately tune in for Watchmen as soon as it's out. By the way, worries. So I got so last episode, uh, the last episode podcast we did, I got yellow dollar signed, oh, and yeah. I, was, I was gonna tell you we we're talking. We were talking about this briefly before we started the podcast. You want to you want to hear this bullshit, bro? What's that? For the audience that doesn't know, when you get yellow dollar sign, your video doesn't get posted right. on recommendeds, or sometimes it doesn't go to um, subscription boxes and so on and so forth. Check this yeah. out. Um, supposedly, remember episode five we discussed the the whole thing with the squid. Uh huh. Check this out. Uh, according to manual review, a human actually listened to the entire thing and disagreed with me that this contained like some controversial topics, such as modern acts of terror, events resulting in a catastrophic li- loss of human life, and controversial social issues. Now, controversial social issues, I understand, but but the whole fake terror attack of a giant squid falling on New York is 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 is. Wow! Really? Like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? I mean, really? That's oh my really god! Weird that, yeah, that if you mention, you know, something like that, then then all of a sudden it's you're talking about terrorism, and then you're gonna get a yellow dollar yellow dollar sign. I, I what? I oh my god! Are you are you kidding me? Are you a giant yeah. squid? Really? So I got I got yellow dollar signed for. And and none of my videos have ever have ever gotten yellow dollar signed. Um, oh, congratulations! Except I got one for season eight fixed part five. I have no. Did you release that like months ago? Right, but and for for not suitable. And I I had a manual review of it, and they were like, "Yup," and I was like, "What? What happened?" I think you know how in there maybe I don't know maybe they thought that my my Kyburn poisoning Cersei thing was was too violent or something but the like everything else like you know we're pretty we're pretty vulgar we're, we're, we're pretty dirty like we talk about Game of Thrones which has a lot of bad stuff in it um mm-hmm. nothing ever gets yellow dollar sod until that one so I don't know <laughs> but, th- but that's but that's a random ass video they're, they're going is. back in time watching your shit yeah, it happened I want to say it happened like two weeks after it was posted Okay, okay, okay. I was about to say, I thought it happened it recently, happen just but recently. okay. Yeah, no, yeah. But, but even so, two weeks after the fact. Like, are you kidding me, guys? Yeah, are you yeah. serious? Yeah, it's really odd. I don't know. This, I don't is, know the, the, this is why, like, guys, we appreciate it if you do support us on Patreon. You don't have to support us both. If you're a fan of Preston, Preston has his. Fan of mine, I have mine. But uh, YouTube is going crazy. Seriously, a giant squid, YouTube, really? Giant Come on. Squid. My God, guys! Um, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we will see you again next time for another episode of Watchmen. Once again, if you haven't been watching, which 
don't know why you're watching this if you haven't watched it, but <laughs> you definitely should. I, I keep constantly saying this to a lot of my European friends. Like, I always thought that going into this show, like, you know, nobody from Europe could really kind of relate to this because, you know, like, social issues with the U.S., blah, 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 blah. But they really should st- – if you're, if you're outside the U.S. or if you have friends outside the U.S., you should really start – watching it recommend your, your buddies you've, outside you've really changed because i remember after episode one talking to you we can go back to the podcast and bring it up i'm not lying but you you were like yeah it's pretty good but you know i'm gonna keep watching but you know if if you make it to you know i usually give everything the three episode try yes now you're you're freaking hooked you are Yo, oh yeah, yeah i'm hooked like it's interesting and and i gotta say i always hate when they do not to sound like one of those assholes but i always hate when they do like political bullshit just for the sake of political bullshit but there it's actually nuanced and the writing is good like like this is like political bullshit that's actually interesting it's not just on the nose just for the sake of views and like you know clicks mm. and whatnot like it like they're not like writing it's not like one of those bullshit articles where they just like it's, it's like clickbaity and you know yeah, and all that yeah. stuff so it's nuanced it's good writing i like it nice twist um you know, it, it puts a clever hook on things. Like, I, I like it. It, it. It's good. It really is good. I highly recommend this to a lot of people, especially people outside the U.S., but I don't think they would like it as much. I know a couple of my friends who are European. They tried it. They didn't like it that much, but I still recommend it nonetheless. Mm, yeah. Do you ever you ever heard the, uh, um, if you're Asian when you go into the bathroom and you're American when you come out, what are you when you're in the bathroom? I don't know. European. <laughs> it's like a 12 year old joke <laughs> wait Preston was that a dad joke that did dad. you just dad joke me <laughs> oh my god I was saying it was congratulations like a joke was that your first dad joke <laughs> alright bro there you go now you're getting the spirit of it you just had your kid a while ago and now you're making dad jokes oh man <laughs> careful because people are gonna bitch they're gonna want a dad joke at least once every podcast episode I don't, I don't, think, I don't know if you're up for that <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Have a good one.